0: I said, something, I said something yesterday to a friend of mine and again to another friend of mine today and a number of things that I've said in the last couple of days that when I was growing up I never would have said and in fact when I said it to these people they didn't quite understand what I said I said, you know, I wish we had Yom Kippur once a month Over the last two days, people have pushed that, you know, the, you know, once a quarter, you know, once every three or four months. But I still believe. I mean, how many people here feel differently after Yom Kippur? How many people feel like, I mean, I was riding it. It, it felt almost dangerous to be outside. It was, I was so wide open. My heart was so cracked open. I felt... Like I understood for the first time why Sukkot comes right after Yom Kippur. In, a, in, Not just literally, but when you're that broken, the only thing you can and want to build is something that's still so porous as a sukkah, right? You don't want to go back into that house, into that place of solid doors and solid windows. You want to stay wide open like a sukkah, like a impermanent structure because you can live in that place, you can breathe in that place. So it was so perfect that you know, I'm sure that His Holiness, Pope Francis thought about this in advance, that he was going to show up and, and give us that experience of what it is when someone who isn't just religious, but someone who, who lives religiously, someone who isn't that person who's talking about God, but who is living in a godly way. Because we have a lot of God in this world and a lot less godliness for some reason. And so I was talking to someone today. Um, I was called and asked to speak about my experience of, of the Pope and why. what makes him so special. Is, first, the first question was from the reporter was, is Pope Francis a phenomena? I said, well, what do you think? <laughs> and then she asked me, well, what do you think is... what makes him so unique? I said, listen, it's without a doubt true that there are parts of his theology that I absolutely and categorically reject. There are parts of his social social agenda, that part of the church's social agenda that I also have deep issues with. But what I think is touching people is this. He's a spiritual pope. And we in our country have for many years said that religion and spirituality are not always together. And there's some truth to it, not a full truth, but there's some truth to it. And what I think... I meant by that was and I said there is that he's a tender man. And he himself said there's a revolution of tenderness that needs to happen. And when you see his face and his openness and we see and feel a sincerity from him that he wants to say the things that will open the heart and that more than doctrine he cares about people. That Cracks us wide open. I don't know if everybody feels that way, but it cracks me wide open to see someone who's walking his talk in the world, and somebody who has power and who is humble. To have that much power—a billion people—that's a big shul. <laughs> and to have a billion people, and to refuse to wear the fancy slippers. They tell a story about one of the rebbees, a chassidish rebbe named Rav of Virgin, the Verginer. And he was a royal a rebbe. Royal and when he passed away, he used to wear fancy clothing and he was very regal. He had a coach. And, and when he passed away, underneath the bottom of his very fancy slippers, they saw that he had no soul there. He wanted his feet to touch the ground. So this rebbe who's come to us this week, this Yontif Pontiff, right? This Yontif Pontif. <laughs> My son saw him on the, on the news and they said, is that Reb Zalman? They said, is that Reb Zalman? I said, he's a, he's, a, he's a big rabbi. He's a rabbi. And I think in this week's Torah portion, I think in the reading tomorrow morning for this week, we find a real insight from Moses and from the rabbis of our tradition about what it takes to change the world with tenderness. I call it the to-do list, D-E-W. The second verse in the parsha says, Ya'arof kamatar dikhi tizal katal imrati Likhi my lekach, lekach tov, my lesson, may it come down like rain and let it drizzle like dew. And the Midrash, the rabbis say, What's the difference between rain and dew? He said, Rain is a peak experience. Rain comes down hard, and sometimes it's a blessing, and rain sometimes doesn't come at all, and it's a curse in various parts of the world. Ya'arof kamatar dechhi is Yom Kippur. It comes down hard, Ya'arof, it can, it can break your neck. It hits you hard. The rains are going to come. Mashiva, Ruach, Morita, Geshem, here come the rains again falling on our heads like all kinds of good things, but not always good things. But Tal, say the rabbis, Tal, which means do. Do is Le'olam libracha. Do is always a blessing. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied about the days of the future when the Messiah would come. During the weeks coming up to Rosh Hashanah, we read Isaiah. Seven Isaiah portions of nechama, of consolation. And my son Tal, my youngest son, was born during one of those weeks. And in Isaiah, there's the famous, beautiful verse. I will be like dew for Israel, says God. I will make it bloom like a rose. And so we named our son Tal, dew tizal katal Imati. may my words be gentle and tender may my words be gentle and tender the Pope is great and enlightened beings whether it's al-arabi or rumi or hafiz or the prophet peace be upon him or the great beings of every world tradition and by the way I'll out myself and I don't care that I'm in New York City where it's not so cool to be a deeply ecumenical individual and I'm a bright guy. And there were a lot of academics that think you shouldn't compare religions to each other. You know what? I don't believe it. It's one source. One source. And all of the enlightened beings are drinking from that same well. From this Mirabai, right? Kabir, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Sien, the Rambam, Rav Cook. It's the same well of do that gives life. That's the to-do list. (laughs) If we speak, when we speak with tenderness, with vulnerability, with a quavering in the voice, a humility, then my words can be heard, they can land. It's so beautiful to be with someone whose presence convinces. Whose listening makes you want to speak. Whose listening makes you want to speak. And whose speaking makes you want to listen. This story told of Rabbi Akiva in the Talmud, that he was 40 years old and he was an ignoramus, he was an Amhaaretz. He hadn't studied a word, he didn't know the alphabet, and he had given up on himself, on his ability to grow as a spiritual being, and he came across, people know this story, he came across, he was at a riverbed, and he looked and he saw water dripping onto a stone, and the rush of the waters were so hard they would hit against the stone, and then there was one tip, 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 little drop at a time, and it made a hole in the rock, and he said, if a little drop of water over time can make a hole in a rock, a little bit of learning a kiva, a little bit of opening every day, it can open even this rock, these two rocks, between my rock and my hard place. This is my rock and my hard place.